After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Ay 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 
bop, doom, bop, bop, doom, bop, bop, doom, bop. Bila oviv mi ishkaneb ne, le'adar kevodo. Ule'nishkan mizbe'yachasim, le'karneho.
J.M. in the A.M., a very popular Shabbos Zemer, Ka'ech uh done in that very popular tune here on a J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning. We uh, started off with a bunch of a cappella selections. There were some people who felt we didn't do enough a cappella this week. <laughs> so I hope I satisfied their desire for some a cappella selections. We start out a Friday morning broadcast here at J.M. in the A.M. Before the... Uh, so if you heard Schlock Rocks, I got my Shabbos off Schlock Appella. Drawer you cry from 613. The Y Studs had Bill Vuvi, Barry Weber, and Bain Ho'olam. Aye Macomb, that was eighth day. And Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this May 13th, day five in the month of ER, the year 5776. Israel's uh, Declaration of Independence 68 years ago today on the Hebrew calendar. We explained yesterday why the observance of Yom Ha'atzmaut of Israel Independence Day was yesterday. It's day 20 in the counting of the Omer. That's day 20. That's two weeks and six days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Kedoshim outside of Israel. Uh, candle lighting time at 7.44 on this Erev Shabbos. 7.44 is your official candle lighting time. We'll, uh, we'll bench Bahab on Shabbos, which means the uh, essentially voluntary Three days of fasting of Bahab starts on Monday. 60 degrees, 78% humidity, winds are southeast at 2 miles an hour. Rain today with a high temperature of 65. Then tonight, showers and a low of 57. That's how we'll start Shabbos. Tomorrow, partly sunny, a high Shabbos day, 73 degrees. Not bad. 80 right now in Yerushalayim, 60 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. Weekly update returns starting at 7.40 this morning here at JM in the AM. So make sure to be tuned in for that on your radio, on the stream at jmnam.org, on your NSN app, whatever method you use to tune in, to listen, to uh, to gain from the conversation that we have about uh, the events of the week each and every week. Um, so that will happen at 7.40 this morning here at JM in the AM. want to, uh, again, thank those who've reacted to our Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmud programs that took place here on Wednesday and Thursday mornings between 6 and 9 a.m. this week. It was a um, it was really an amazing uh, remembrance show on Wednesday and an amazing celebration show on Thursday. And I thank all of you and uh, thank you for your reaction. I remind you, if you missed any of it, you may want to revisit or just visit them uh, by going to the archive section at jmam.org or on the NSN app and uh, and listening at your leisure to what were a couple of uh, really interesting and important broadcasts this week. Israel stands at 68 years young, and we had the honor of commemorating it here at JM in the AM. 27 minutes before 7 o'clock. Good morning from 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org, and, of course, on the NSN app. Lecha Dodi 
Slave to Horror with Rachem. Uh, wrapping up hour number one here at JM in the AM. The Maccabees had Oseh Shalom. You heard Ari Goldwag with the Naya Nigun. Mim Komcha, that's the um, cast of vocal version. The Y Studs had Menucha Vesimcha in there and Bitachon with Lachadodi. Coming up on 7 o'clock in the morning on a Friday on this May 13th, the 5th of ER. Today, 68 years ago, Israel declares independence. Uh, we explained why. 
We celebrated Yom Atzmut yesterday. Erev Shabbos Parshas Kedoshim outside of Israel. Yeah, different Parsha in Israel because of the uh, fact that Achron Shal Pesach was on the uh, was on Shabbos. Today's day 20 in the counting of the Omer, two weeks and six days. Today's day number 20. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Candle lighting at 744 on this era of Shabbos, 744. And this is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Golly, it's all in the background. News from Israel coming up next, and we'll head into the 7 o'clock hour. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Weekly update with Malcolm Holmline at 7.40 Eastern Time coming up at JM in the AM. Make sure to be tuned in from anywhere around the world. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. סגן השר איוב קרא מהליכוד אומר כי ישראל אינה קשורה למותו של מפקד הזרוע הצבאית של חיזבאללה המוצטפה בדר הדין. אין לנו שום כיוון או חשיבה לפגוע באיש או לחמם את הגזרה שם, ולכן כל הספיקולציות כאילו ישראל בתוך זה, גם חיזבאללה לא יצא נגדנו, גם גורמים בתוך הג'יהאד האסלאמי בתוך סוריה לא יצאו נגדנו, אלא לדעתי החיסול... נבע מתוך צרכים פנימיים של סוריה. הוסר החשש מפני חפץ חשוד שנמצא סמוך לבית כנסת באוסלו, אך הכוננות הגבוהה באזור נמשכת. עופרי אשל. חבלני משטרת נורבגיה פירקו את החפץ החשוד והוא התגלה כמזוודה ריקה. עם זאת, במשטרת נורבגיה החליטו להשאיר את המחסומים שהוקמו מסביב למתחם בית הכנסת באוסלו. מצלמות האבטחה תיעדו גבר לבוש שחור שהניח מזוודה אדומה מחוץ לבית הכנסת בארבע לפנות בוקר שעון נורבגיה. בשל נסיבות המקרה, המשטרה ממשיכה בחקירתה לנסות ולאתר את האלמוני. פרסום ראשון פוצץ המשא ומתן להגבלת הכהונה של מנהלי בתי החולים והמחלקות, כתבתנו יערה שפירא. ביום שלישי אמורה הייתה ההסתדרות הרפואית לחתום על הסכם עם נציבות שירות המדינה להגבלת הכהונה של המנהלים הבכירים במערכת הבריאות ל-12 או 13 שנים בהתאם לתנאים מסוימים. אלא שההסתדרות דרשה מהאוצר תקנים נוספים לקליטת המנהלים שיפרשו בתום הכהונה, ולאור סירוב האוצר ההסכם לא נחתם ושיחות המשא ומתן לא חודשו. נשיאת העליון מרים נאור דוחה את הטענות כי קיימת אפליה עדתית בבחירת המועמדים לשיפוט. אני יכולה לומר נחרצות, מעולם, ואני מדגישה מעולם, לא נשקל מוצאו של מועמד בקורס. ודאי וודאי שמעולם לא נפסל מועמד בשל מוצאו. נאור התייחסה לדבריה של חברת הכנסת נורית קורן מהליכוד, שטענה כי מועמדים לשיפוט ממוצא מזרחי נפסלים באופן שיטתי. קורן דורשה מן האור, משרת המשפטים שקד, להדיח את הפסיכולוג התעסוקתי הממיין את המועמדים. מדברי נשיאת בית המשפט העליון הביא כתבנו ניתאי הנביא. כדורגל מליגת העל, הפועל באר שבע, מתכוננת למשחק מול מכבי חיפה בשבת, שעשוי להבטיח לאליפות ראשונה אחרי 40 שנה. כך נשמע מאמן הקבוצה ברק בחר. אנחנו מבינים שאנחנו מאוד קרובים ואנחנו יודעים שאם אנחנו מנצחים אנחנו באמת עושים היסטוריה ואנחנו גם יודעים שאנחנו משחקים נגד קבוצה שנמצאת בכושר טוב נגד קבוצה שלא ניצחנו השנה אנחנו מעדיפים להתרכז במה שאנחנו צריכים לעשות במשחק יהיה מספיק זמן לחגוג אחר כך 
והתחזית מחר תורגש התחממות ניכרת ויעשה שרבי בראשון ובשני שרב כבד ברוב אזורי הארץ. אלה החדשות שעורך עמרי רחמימוב, בעצבת רינת גיימן ושגיא גבאי.
J.M. and the A.M., some of the acapella selections for you on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Whoa, sorry about that. Friday morning era of Shabbos here at J.M. and the A.M. Wow, what was that? There we go. Uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Parshas Kedoshim outside of Israel with candle lighting at 744 later on. You heard Nigun Simcha done by the uh, Shira Choir here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, the Maccabees with their Shalashudas medley. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ari Goldwagon there with Agil. You heard Odcha done by the Yeshiva Boys Choir. Nigun Dvekis, that was the Chabad Choir. And Leif Tahar opened that set with Shabbos and Gilo. Wonderful a cappella selections for an era of Shabbos in our Sphira format here at JM in the AM. Reminder, we have amazing programming all day long on our stream at jmtheam.org. And uh, right after JM in the AM, you could tune in and enjoy uh, Naomi Nachman and Table for Two. She'll feature Chaya Suri Leitner from Spice and Zest, Razel Freed from Razie's Cookin', and Nancy Kalish, owner of the vegan snack company Pure Genius. That's going to be happening starting at 9 a.m. right after JM in the a.m. Then the uh, NSN Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by Kedem all the way until candle lighting time. Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami with great music. And, of course, Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler on the Torah portion. Eternal Flame with Rabbi Jacobson at 10 p.m. Headlines with David Lichtenstein at 11 p.m. Matis on JM Sunday has Yael Aldrich about the upcoming Torah Home Education Conference in Baltimore, plus great Jewish music and the latest news from Israel. That's happening with Matis Sunday morning on JM Sunday. Again, that begins at 7 a.m. Yael Aldrich will be his guest. The Torah Home Education Conference will be the focus. So plenty of great programming on our stream at jmnam.org. And, uh, of course, on the NSN app all weekend long, so make sure to pay attention to tune in and to enjoy. And, of course, if you want to revisit some of our great programs, including Yom Azikaron and Yom Atzimut, and all the wonderful archives that have been posted from all of our wonderful shows, uh, you could do so by um, by uh, going to the uh, NSN app and clicking on archives, or, of course, the website and clicking on archives, tuning in and enjoying. Rain today with a high temperature of 65. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents and Major American Jewish Organizations, about... Ten minutes from now, coming up here at JM in the AM.
Ira koide 
Some of our uh, wonderful acapella selections in a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kedoshim. Outside of Israel, at least, it's Parshas Kedoshim. Uh, candle lighting at 744. Today's day 20 in the counting of the Omer. Day 20. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend to their readers, hundreds of thousands of readers, our incredible live stream at jmdm.org, and I thank them for that. JewishWorldReview.com has about, I don't know, a million articles or maybe a, maybe a few less than that. Uh, that you can print out before Shabbos and uh, learn a tremendous amount about what's going on in this incredibly interesting world of ours. So I thank them very much. Also, a big thank you to OnlySimchas.com, who beyond Simchas have expanded into a wonderful news site with interesting Jewish news from around the world, and they've utilized a lot of our material for what they've been um, uh, posting, including, I believe, our Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmuot specials that aired this week. They've been helping us get those around the world as people continue to enjoy and react to those special programs, so I thank OnlySimplas.com and recommend everyone check them out on a daily basis. You'll be glad you did. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning broadcast. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. Yeah, I'm surprised you even remember us at this point. <laughs> and who is this? No, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> very good. <laughs> Uh, well, your initial thoughts as we uh, took the opportunity this week to remember the 23,447 who perished in war and terror attacks over the last 68 years and then uh, quickly um, switched gears, began and enjoyed a wonderful 68th birthday celebration for the State of Israel. 
on what was really 68 years ago today on the 5th of ER, but because of what we explained yesterday, we observed it yesterday on Israel Independence Day. Your thoughts as these two days took place this week? Well, I find them both very moving and, and regret that more people don't mark these anniversaries, especially here in the United States. In Israel, virtually everybody does. Uh, and the the sacrifice that was made, that 25,000 Jews, almost exclusively Jews, young and old, who gave their lives for what we take for granted, meaning having a Jewish state, having Yerushalayim, having what past generations did not have, certainly recognizing the miracles that have happened over these years, the miracle of 1948, and seeing some of the analyses and reviews of that period, you see how much greater the miracle was that it actually happened. And you know that even the United States was under, the president was under great pressure to rescind his the confirmation and to hold off. And the um, uh, fact that the, the they squeaked through the vote on the U, in the UN, yeah. uh, every every step of this, and then of course the the war that followed, and and you know we we spend a lot of time when we're angry about BDS, but we also have to remember to celebrate. And they say the hardest commandment to fill is simcha, is remembering to to celebrate, and the you know to to take the time out to even take part of the day yesterday to talk to the kids about it, to teach about it. How many shuls really had events? How many had a memorial service? And, you know, last week I was in, in Auschwitz and Birkenau for the March of the Living, but also the day before was a seminar marking the 80th anniversary of the Nuremberg Laws and the 70th anniversary of the Nuremberg Trials. So in one event you went from hate to justice. You, you, you saw the progression from the the depths to which they could go and then holding some, at least, to account. It doesn't undo it, and it wasn't really true justice uh, for the victims, but the uh, and seeing Supreme Court justices from around the world who came to this event and who participated, and the, going from out, going to Auschwitz and seeing a sea of blue and white in that, in that killing field, in that blood-drenched soil, certainly reminds you the importance of Israel, significance of Israel. With uh, with the regularity with which you travel to Eastern Europe and see the concentration camps, um, I mean, I'm sure it, it, it can't help but be, you know, moving each and every time, but can you describe for us what it's like for somebody who is there on a more regular basis than others if you're able to keep that emotional level each time you visit? You keep the emotional level, and in fact, it becomes more intense because you see new things each time. And I took two of my grandchildren, one from uh, Teaneck, one from in Flatbush, and, and I relive it again through their eyes. And I know how little they know about it, and even though they're exposed to it. And they sat with a survivor. They were mesmerized. They sat for an hour and a half, two hours, just listening and, and trying to take in all they could. The, the, and each one reacts to the experience in a different way. And I, in part, you know, react to what they're seeing and seeing their reaction to it and finding the names, seeing the names of their great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents in the books in, in, in Auschwitz. And the, um, the, the message it gets, it's, it's not because 
uh, you know, I believe so strongly we should build tourism in, in Poland or to the camps. Well, I hope not, right? But but I see that that the message and the message of the of the memorial Rabbi Lau comes each each year, and Anayev uh, Esrim is an amazing, it's amazing to see him do it, and they and uh, each year there's an, an additional theme. Uh, one year it was of the liberators, and we saw the people who liberated the camps, elderly men now, and being embraced by by people who they liberated, guys who remembered them from 50, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. Wow. You you can't imagine, and each time the, the experience is is overwhelming. I had the privilege to speak both at the Philharmonic Hall at the so uh, the the event um, on Erev the March and the at the seminar, um, and so the more I prepared, when I prepared the, the, and read, you learn each time, and, and we're only beginning to find out the facts. We don't know a lot about how vast this killing machine was, how much collaboration, how much they knew in, around the world that didn't do anything about it. We continue to find, and, and, and I would say that we still only know a small part. We still see, you know, the restitution cases. We know how much has been stolen and, and not returned. We, and we see governments now enacting, you know, laws to return property, communal or personal property, when most of those, uh, a, the, the victims, initial victims were killed, but even those who survived uh, have passed. Unbelievable. Uh, and on the other point, in terms of the uh, state of Israel on its 68th birthday, you mentioned, of course, the, the, the miraculous nature of the entire episode, but... Uh, Obviously, and you alluded to this, we continue to live in this miracle right now. And we mentioned yesterday during our special that when you're living through it, you don't realize how miraculous it is. But if you would compare the last 68 years to most other eras in Jewish history, we are privileged beyond belief. Exactly. And you, you see the communities that, that thought that it would never happen to them and how, how they led, led lived. It reminds you, I, I think I've quoted, but I think it was Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, Tzatzal said about that God, the Behold Avodar, in every generation, we read, you know, enemies arise to destroy us, and he said, wasn't there one generation that didn't have it? He said, read the next paragraph, Teo Mad, where you see, tells the story of Lavan, Bikesh Lakar, as I call, that Paro only wanted to kill the firstborn, and here was Yaakov, our forefather Jacob, living with his father-in-law and thinking it wasn't pleasant, he had to work each time, seven more years and etc but he didn't realize that while on the surface it seemed calm there was love and plotting the whole time so he warns every generation don't take it for granted don't believe it because you don't see it manifest in certain ways and now we do see it manifest we see so many communities here in america now facing anti-semitic incidents and and uh, board meetings town meetings where now people are, are free, free to be vocal in expressing anti-semitism that they may, there always are haters, but there are constraints on them. And when those constraints are removed, that's when we have trouble. No question about it. Malcolm Holmline with us. Weekly update here at JM in the AM. Move to the news of the day and of the week. Uh, David Samuels, big article in the New York Times Magazine this past Sunday, which has gotten a tremendous amount of attention. It focuses on uh, Ben Rhodes. Ben Rhodes is the Deputy National Security Advisor for Strategic Communications for the United States President Barack Obama, an advisor on the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, also known as the 2015 Iran Nuclear Deal. And in an, uh, I'm taking a random article. There have been a million articles about this article, as you know. 
Uh, I'm just reading from here, The Observer. In a shocking revelation, Rhodes admitted that his boss's narrative on his preeminent foreign policy accomplishment was a lie. According to the White House, the nuclear agreement with the Mullahs became possible in 2013 when quote-unquote moderates under Rouhani replaced hardliners in Tehran. Thus did parlay with the Islamic revolutionary regime finally become possible. And the road to the vaunted deal at last came into focus. None of that was actually true. The big push to seal the nuclear deal with Iran predated the rise of Rouhani. And from the outset, the White House viewed its sales job as at least as important as any diplomatic progress. What do you think and what is your reaction to this sales job that is described in this very long article in Sunday's Times? Well, first of all, it's shocking that, that uh, somebody, while they're still in office, would uh, make such revelatory statements, and, and they talk about the uh, media and talking about the media about how they, they use them, uh, and individuals are named there also, by, both by the author and by the, by the subject, and the, um, the depiction of the fact that, that they would go to any means and, and say anything in order to, to get a deal through. And the, you know what we have to think about, Nahum, also? It caused outrage here, and it's, it, it will have a long-term effect. We have to see how Congress will react to it. Our people are saying, you know, it's an impeachment. It's a base for impeachment. It's base for other things. None of that's going to happen. Think of how the foreign leaders look at us now. Mm. What do you think the people, the leaders in the Middle East, look at that article? And because they hate Iran, and they feel that we, have, we were too generous to Iran, and we sold out to Iran even, think of what they say now. That they say, look, it was a deliberate plane. We warned you. We told you. And the the uh, message, and 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 looking at some of the comments that when uh, Panetta can say, oh yeah, um, you know that when, at the time he argued, especially to Israelis and others, you know that that uh, the, the president would act and said, would you ask that now? He said, no, probably not. And the the and and, and this is while everybody's still in office. I only can uh, anticipate what. Is going to come out once they're out of office and all the books start getting written, uh, analyzing and telling the inside story about this, the manipulation that he describes uh, of the process. And I think the the um, when we look at Iran's activities and the promises about uh, moderation, etc. Wendy Sherman, who was the chief negotiator in a speech last month, uh, said Rouhani is no moderate. Well, that's not what she was saying for, for months and months. And as they sell it to us and how that this would strengthen the hands of the moderates. And obviously, we, we have not found any moderates who, in, in positions of power. They can be uh, put on a better face. They might dress better, but they're not different on the bottom line. One of the keys to the whole operation was making sure that publicly someone or everyone felt that there were moderates to deal with in Iran. Even though, by the way, i got to give you credit, of course, because... Yeah, I mean, you revealed this before anybody else, that anybody who really suspects that those are moderates are being silly. And now we see, based on the article at least, that the whether there were moderates there or not is completely irrelevant. This whole thing was hatched way before that, and the question was how to manipulate the media and the American people and, as you said, leaders around the world to go along with it. And, and, and look at what the events this week, you know, there's a, a, a Holocaust cartoon contest going on in Iran. And Zarif, the foreign minister who wants to appear moderate, and if you remember, I, I described mm -hmm. him uh, when he got into office uh, from my personal interactions with him when he was the ambassador here, that he's a chameleon, and very clever, very charming when he wants to be, in, but not to believe what you see on the surface about these guys. And 
he said, we have no, the government has no involvement. This is a guy who refused to condemn the Holocaust when he became foreign minister. But he said, we don't have any involvement. And the guy who's running it said, he's lying. <laughs> he's lying. What do you mean? Do you think we could do this without the government? Do you think we could have a contest and give, a, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in prizes and just to have the most horrific depictions of Jews and, and, and the victims of the Shoah? And, you know, and, and yet there's almost no response to it. There's no outrage to it. And the, we know that Iran, all the time, they, they, while we were off the air, there were at least two missile launches, uh, one of a space launch and one of a, 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 of a precursor for intercontinental ballistic missile. We see the, the uh, weapon shipments. Yesterday, Israel intercepted a shipment going to Hezbollah from, from Syria, hit a military convoy of weapons. Iran is not stopping in any way and moving around the world. And articles are coming out on something I've warned about for a long time, said that this would be the issue this year about Iran's involvement in South America. The recruitment, not just by Iran, even ISIS took 100 guys out of Trinidad and Tobago to, 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 to um, Syria. But they're recruiting people all the time, and others are recruiting for the war in Yemen. And they, the, the expansion of their activities in South America, in Colombia, and in Panama, and I met people from both countries, and, and all of a sudden now, those places that are supposedly our allies and closest, et cetera, et cetera, we find out that Iran, especially in Colombia, is, is deeply involved. So they're moving closer and closer, and of course, they're in Mexico. Unbelievable. The Ben Rhodes piece, by the way, um, sometimes I ask you to analyze you know, the media reaction to things. Uh, it, it seems that the outrage that you'd expect at a level of outrage from the media is not there, even though there's some, of course, who are, you know... They're attacking the author. Correct, correct. The guy wrote it now. Correct, correct. But, but keep in mind, <laughs> they're attacking the author, but also keep in mind that a good part of the article focuses on what Rhodes thinks of the media. You would, right. th you would think after that level of insult, they'd react a little differently. You're absolutely right that, that they, they... And that's what I'm saying, that they didn't go after his charges about how, you know, I don't know if useful idiots would be the, the term that, that people would use in, in describing it, but, but the term about the blob, about the decision makers, about Congress, about others. I mean, they attack everybody in, in that. And, and you wonder, what, what was he thinking? What was, the, what was accomplished? Why would he do this? There has to be a reason. You, can, you could say that somebody makes a statement you know, and and misstate something or says something that they regret. You can't give a 28-page interview and then say this is something, you know, uh, well, I misspoke on that. Right. This has to be deliberate. Finally, what does this tell us about the president? I mean, again, you know, I think the country was relatively familiar with his agenda, in all fairness to him, before he was elected. So, you know, American people essentially got what they, you know, I don't think this was a... This was a, this was a uh, a surprise to anybody that this, the president would pursue this type of agreement. Uh, maybe not to the degree that he did in terms of having you know feeling that he had no choice but to make it happen. But what does this what does this tell us? It tells us that he's consistent with his political views. It tells us that he's behaving the same way he did right after he took office and started all these um, uh, relationships with uh, uh, you know with different countries in the Middle East to accomplish certain things. Does it does it tell us anything new about the president? I don't know that it tells you anything new. I mean, he did set the goals, as you said. Havana was one. He's done it. Uh, his trip now coming up in Japan, and, and uh, he, he will continue to work on the legacy issues, as they're called, you know, the things that, that he wants a record. 
Uh, and as he told me, you know, most presidents have to worry about it for 10 or 20 years. He has to worry about it for 40 or 50 years because of his age. Um, that uh, his name is on these things, and, and uh, you know, he'll want to see the move. I don't think he got out of the Iran uh, negotiations all that he wanted in terms of creating a, maybe an embassy and a prep visit or some other things because Khamenei doesn't want it and look at the aggressiveness of Iran since the deal look at the statements Khamenei made he made the most virulent statement about the U.S. just in the last weeks let alone continuing about Israel and uh, the launch of the missile you know that had in Hebrew the death to Israel but, but first it's death to the United States and it's now just accepted. It's it's almost meaningless. And when there are no consequences for all of these violations, the countries in the region say that's the story. That's the problem. The will has the West is irrelevant. They, they are in cahoots with them, and even worse. And this is uh, is very troubling at a time when you know the eruptions continue and we see you know the more aggressiveness. You know ISIS doesn't necessarily get. Uh, reported all the time, but they're trying to create a little enclave up in northern Syria, a little caliphate. They are working to undermine Egypt, both from Libya, from Sinai, infiltration into the desert in Egypt. You know, things are happening all the time, and people are just not focused uh, on it. And in part, I know people don't like it when I say it sometimes, that, that I think the obsession with the presidential candidate, I don't mean with the race, and the election is important, and who is nominated, but the, it, it blocks out coverage of many of the important issues, including the congressional races, but right. more importantly, the issues. People don't talk about it. Ninety percent of the news is who may said what the latest and not the incredible number of developments that are taking place. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial broadcasting live. In the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is with us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. There are other statements that uh, I think have shaken our world a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Deputy Chief of, Gen- Deputy Chief of General Staff Major General Yair Golan in Israel compared Israeli society to the Nazis on Holocaust Remembrance Day last week on Yom HaShoah. Your uh, impressions to uh, what he had to say regarding Israel today. Well, he he, he likened Israel to pre-Nazi Germany. Right. Uh, so he didn't say the Israelis were like Nazis and or the government uh, was. Uh, it was very unfortunate. He, they, he backed off of it. He apologized for it. Whatever. Um, but this seems to be an epidemic in Israel. Oh, there's always the loose lips sink ships. Well, not just the loose lips. An epidemic to. To, to especially around Yom HaShoah, to have this introspective examination of what... You could say self-flagellation. Exactly. And, and, and what, first of all, the timing is ridiculous, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what one has to do with the other, although others think just the opposite. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and to make a statement like that, uh, <laughs> knowing our history, is, is quite outrageous. Absolutely. And again, it detracts from the real issues. It gives fodder to our enemies, who who then just pick up and say, "Look what he said." They don't know context. They don't know, you know, back off. But they they don't have to. They just take his words and use them. Yeah. And also a um, a uh, an interview with Major General Mayor Dagan, retired director of the Mossad. Uh, shortly before his death, he revealed that in 2010 he went behind the back of Prime Minister Netanyahu. 
informed CIA Director Leon Panetta that Netanyahu and Ehud Barak were about to order the security services to attack Iran's nuclear installations. Now, now, what is that? Is that is that insubordination? Is that uh, is that um, uh, something that someone can be uh, you know brought up on charges going around the back of the Prime Minister in order to inform the Director of the CIA of what the plans are? Look, uh, he's dead, and it's hard to speak. I knew him uh, well. Uh, I was very disappointed by what he did after he left office. He, he, he wanted an extension of term. He didn't get it. He'd also been ill for a uh, good part of the time since he stepped out of office, uh, since he left office. Um, uh, you know, the, the, um, to say it's betrayal, to say it's certainly inappropriate, you know, the... the we have to know exactly what he did and didn't do. We don't know from the other side yet if all these reports are actually true or how far he went. But at the very least, for a head of security agency to to go behind the prime minister's back and reveal information, not only does it undermine Israel's security interests and its negotiating position and, and the relationship, um, it is certainly a contradiction to the responsibilities he bore. So, I mean, historians will, will analyze it and we'll get some more of the facts, And but certainly it's disturbing on the surface. Does this revelation uh, um, uh, reinforce the opinion that Israel was really close to militarily taking out the Iran nuclear facilities, or this is no indication about how close they they may have been. Well, it certainly says that 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 there were the discussions. You know, some people might argue that he did this to serve Israel, that right. to get the Americans to be more open and forthcoming, and to to reach out to in order to prevent it. And that's you, you saw what Panetta said that his job was to keep Israel from from carrying out an attack and to reassure Israel and. You know, they promised Israel. Well, they were ready to defend. The, the U.S. was ready to defend the Iran nuclear uh, facilities, right? Well, there are some who say that too, uh, but they all, but they said that he said that at the time that they told him they assured him that if anything goes forward, that they would be there to attack, and not an assurance he would give any more today. So, um, you know, it's hard to know when you can't ask the guy the the bottom line questions about why was was the motivation to try to get. The United States to be more forthcoming, take leadership to, for them to do it, rather than leave it to Israel, because there was a lot of concern, if you remember, at the time, that Israel couldn't really do the full job, that without the support of the United States, without the uh, firepower of the United States being involved, it, it might be a very temporary setback, but and, and it could exacerbate the situation more than it would accomplish. Yeah. Well, for those who've been calling for Israel to take action, they may have been a lot closer than we originally thought. (laughs) (laughs) Satisfy all the people out there who think Israel's too quiet on this issue. Uh, Who's responsible for the uh, taking out, the death of Mustafa Amin Badreddin? Well, whoever it is, we certainly should be saluting them. Uh, I'm not sure that Israel did do it. He had so many enemies. This is a guy who was responsible for all of Hamas, uh, Hezbollah activities in Syria, but also for their worldwide operations. He was the guy who succeeded his cousin, um, you remember Imad Mugnia, who was assassinated, but he was considered even more dangerous, and he was uh, very unpopular within uh, Hezbollah. He was very hot-tempered, they said, and, and, and unstable, and uh, but very closely allied to... And Nasrallah, 
um, and uh, he was not considered re- that religious, but he was a, considered a, a playboy. And he he the, the hit as it was is uh, we've we've seen different versions of it. We'll learn a lot more. But he he goes back many decades, and he's been designated as a terrorist starting in 2012 by the Department of Treasury. He's also wanted for the International Tribunal that's been investigating the killing of the Prime Minister of um, of Lebanon, uh, Rafik Hariri, and he's considered one of the prime suspects. So there were a lot of potential uh, enemies that would have uh, wanted to see him uh, eliminated. He was, ta- he was uh, also, in, just in April, uh, the Treasury Department again put him under the uh, International Financing Prevention Act of last year. So he had primary, secondary sanctions against him and was a prime target for many people. So we don't know exactly who did it. When someone like him is eliminated, does it really shake up Hezbollah for a while? Oh, absolutely. This is a big loss for them. This is not a minor thing because they, they have more and more trouble replacing the people at the top when uh, an event like this takes place. And... The, um, um, the the shakeup, especially because of his close relationship to uh, to Nasrallah, right. and one of the people Nasrallah relied on. Hey, what so, do you think? I'm sorry, yes, it makes a difference. What do you think of Hillary's statement that uh, Hamas has no choice but to store their weapons in schools in Gaza because of the uh, density of the area? There's no other place to put them. I don't think she was meant to excuse it, but it certainly comes off uh, sounding that way. And I've been trying to find out the exact context of the comment, um, but uh, we all know that uh, Hamas's record has been very clear how they use civilian uh, places for cover and et cetera. You know, uh, a foreign leader I met with uh, recently uh, kept saying to me, you don't understand about Hamas. He has close relationship with them and, we were trying to get the you know the bodies of Hadar Golden and uh, the other who so MIA who who was being held still there, and he said when I raised about the tunnels and he said you don't understand they don't have roads so they have to build tunnels mm, and sure. I said well w- what are you talking about <laughs> this is not roads within Gaza it's not to train to tra- travel these are and then he said no they have tomatoes. And they have to get the tomatoes out, and the tomatoes become bombs, and the bomb, they have no way to get them out. I said, Mr. President, you know, you could say that tunnels to Egypt may have been tunnels for trade at times because they smuggled stuff in and out. The tunnels to Israel are only tunnels of terror. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you hear the argument that people give it, and it almost appears to be a justification of the horrendous activities and, and terror that, that Hamas is, is engaging in, building up again. I think that, uh, you know, there are rumors, you know, Hamas is preparing for. I don't believe that they want a war right now. Uh, but they have rebuilt much of their capacity, and the international pressure um, continues to to uh, uh, grow. But, you know, where are the condemnations? You know, they found two tunnels, <laughs> and they, they captured two guys who were responsible for building these tunnels, Israel captured, and... They were able to to get incredible information out of them, and this is uh, um, I, I think you know should be a, a clear statement to the world, and yet nobody cares. 
And when it comes to the excuses, there's always plenty for Israel's enemies. Look how the United Nations condemned while we were away again. We, and we have started circulating, and people can go to the conferenceofpresidents.org website, uh, uh, an international declaration against the United Nations, the bias, the discrimination. is only the first step in a program, but, but to show broad support for it, both in the Jewish and non-Jewish community, and we want people to circulate it and get many others to sign on, to, to talk about the fact that 20 resolutions against Israel, three for the rest of the world, five in the, six in the United Nations, nothing against, in, in the Human Rights Council, nothing against Iran, Syria, Libya. The, in every agency, you just go down the list and you see all the discriminatory behavior uh, singling out uh, Israel and the most blatant violations don't get mentioned. Never. And by the way, killing Christians doesn't get mentioned. Killing a Yazidi is hardly mentioned. You think the uh, anti-BDS conference at the end of the month in the UN is going to be effective? It, well, it's geared for students, I understand, and uh, I think all the efforts are important to, to counter BDS. We, we also have a conference coming up, uh, but Harris is really to, to uh, highlight successful strategies, and there are. And we, we, there have been successes on many campuses, but this is also an issue in trade, trade unions and church groups and in, in, uh, business uh, communities and other organizations that uh, are taking up this, uh, you know, this uh, call for the BDS movement. Thank God it doesn't have much of an economic impact, but it does have a propagandistic I- I- impact. And it also has a pro- uh, an impact of intimidating young Jews on campuses from speaking up and, and standing up uh, uh, for Israel. So we should not dismiss um, what what its uh, significance is and what it really means. Based on media reports, looks like Shelley Adelson is going to be supporting uh, Donald Trump for president. Will there be plenty... Will there be plenty of representation of our community on both sides of this upcoming election? I guess eventually there will be. I think people are confused right now from uh, what I hear. But again, I try not to focus on the presidential race and look at things where we can have a real impact. Right, but when it comes down to two people, it may be time to start focusing. People have to choose one, and they have to learn a lot more about one and to examine the record of the other and then and then make a decision and think about who is going to lead in a in a critical time. And, and again, as I say, Congress has always traditionally been the... Uh, the uh, bedrock of support for for us on Israel and other issues, and we should not lose sight of, of many many races and in some cases already the retirement of, of great friends and likely loss of of, of a few others. Uh, these are very uh, serious matters, and uh, you know every one counts and every election counts, and that includes the local elections we saw in New Jersey now just moving on BDS legislation as well. and that, That's when you have good local leadership. We see that the Arabs in the Muslim communities, as is their right, are electing people at the local level increasingly, including the mayor of London, but yeah. uh, also in other places. Um, and the, you know, they're, they're, they're remembering about how important it is to have committee members and uh, uh, councilmen and everything else who, who move up the, the, the ladder. So we have to make sure that the people get elected, our friends, are people who share the values, the concerns, the, the things uh, we want. Uh, you know, the, the Labor Party should be a wake-up uh, call for all of us when you see already more than 50 people have been suspended, and, and more almost every day, for, for blatant anti-Semitism. And this is in Britain. 
you know the the you know that half of all the security forces in Britain and France are deployed internally hmm. to deal with the local threats. That statistic I think should be so shocking to people. And wow. a, a naval officer with tremendous amount of information about shipping routes and all sorts of stuff that, uh, from the British Navy as defected to go to ISIS. And the, you know, we have these stories every day. They get almost no notice, almost no uh, uh, coverage. And, you know, we're going to pay a price for them. Speaking of London mayor, the ex-mayor of London, Ken Livingstone, called the founding of the state of Israel a catastrophe. Well, he was a catastrophe. He is one. <laughs> and he, he was, uh, I think, clearly viewed as an anti-Semite by most. And, you know, it's part of the poison that has infected the the Labor Party, but I would suggest that it's others as well. They're at least addressing it, and uh, Corbyn has gotten rid of people, but some people, say Corbyn's own leadership, uh, raises questions. Um, but, you know, we don't know what uh, what is happening this year in the political process in America. It's so disruptive of all the past standards. Look at the, the reaction to sometimes let's say, less than friendly statements about Israel and the uh, uh, identification, we're called sectionality, of, of how the uh, Palestinian cause with Black Lives Matters and other things where they infiltrate demonstrations and the events of others and then try to create this common cause uh, and manipulate the people who are involved in, in uh, otherwise important, sometimes important, and, and other times, uh, uh, you know, um, Movements and, and significant statements, but they you notice the, the even at, at in um, the anti-police uh, demonstrations, you saw that the, all of a sudden there were signs "Free Palestine," because yeah. they're taking advantage of everything and, and and moving on it. And we we better look at it. And the the there was a report that there's a decrease of violent attacks in America against Jews, but a rise in institutional anti-Semitism. Based on what you're saying. We have to take both very seriously, but you, you, you may not even believe that report, right? I don't, not, uh, the anecdotal evidence I have in the things I see is that on campuses, it, it, the situation is very disturbing, but even in communities, when debates over real estate or, you know, uh, other issues that can be, should, would normally be dealt with in a civil way, and you see the kind of manifestations of anti-Semitism, I get complaints all the time from people about uh, both on an individual level or some community uh, issue that uh, that has arisen that it, it be- leads to much more blatant anti-Semitism than would have been true in the past and, and open expressions of it. And, the, you know, the uh, I mean, we have to behave the right way. We have to do the right things, and we can't, uh, um, you know, sometimes we have to think about what we do also, but that's not what motivates people to these expressions of hate. Uh, we should also mention, by the way, on the UN list that you went through, and there was a lot there. Uh, UNESCO adopted a resolution that ignored Jewish ties to the Temple Mount. So this is, you know, that for two years I've talked about it on the show and warned when they had the meeting of ISESCO in Amman, well, two more than two years ago, that this has been a process where they first started questioning the the Jewish right, then they hyphenated, you know, Al Burak's wall to west uh, to the Western Wall, and Keva uh, Rachel to the mosque of Muhammad's driver. And now they voted in the executive council for 50-some countries to remove the Jewish, and, and in fact the Christian name, for all of these places completely. So the Western Wall 
the Wailing Walls, it was called for years, the Kotel, is only known as Al Burak's Wall. Al Burak was Muhammad's horse who ascended after him, and, and after he died, even though Muhammad never visited Israel in his lifetime. Um, and, and the mosque, uh, Kevar Rachel, for 3,000 years, known as Kutab Rachel, and every Arab and, and Muslim document, let alone international document, always referred to as such. And it's stripping the the Jewish, uh, and, and I would say the Jewish, Christian identity of all of these places. France voted for this resolution. Now the prime minister and the foreign minister came out in the last 48 hours saying the vote shouldn't have taken, it took them a week, but said his vote shouldn't have taken place, it huh. doesn't represent our view, and, you know, they repudiated it, but Russia and the other countries also voted for this thing. The United States obviously led the opposition to it, um, but it was a, a small number of countries that actually voted against it, and the overwhelming number voted for this resolution. Now, can they say they didn't know what it meant, that it, it, it was a mistake? This is an important statement now. France because it wants to host, you know, the International Middle East Conference. Maybe they thought this would ingratiate them with the Arabs, but it doesn't. It's not what the Arabs, most Arab leaders are not focused on this, and, and, and uh, you know, this is all stuff they do as a matter of course, but the, the Western countries join in, in a declaration that wipes out thousands of years of, of history, and, and all in an attempt to denude all the places of their Jewish content and of our right to these places. This is all part of BDS, and that's what's significant about it, that this is an attempt to remove the right of Jews to a state, the right of a Jewish state to exist, and the right of Jews to have a state. Great that's analysis. Great analysis. You've given this as an, uh, us this analysis uh, tens, if not hundreds of times over the years, and I wish people would just understand it and let it seep in. It's so important. Uh, way behind schedule. Finally, um... Uh, right before Pesach, uh, Joe Biden, Vice President of the United States, at J Street dinner, expressed, quote-unquote, overwhelming frustration with Israel, with Bibi Netanyahu. He's generally been viewed as a friend, and many in the community, uh, including Jewish leaders, uh, not just lay people, were shocked to see him take such an open stand against uh, the administration and uh, Israel in this process. Uh, what, what was your reaction when you uh, heard about Biden's statement? I was surprised and very disappointed uh, Biden has a tendency to make off-the-cuff comments that are sometimes very extreme. He has a long history going back to his Senate days. Uh, he, he was and considers himself a friend of Israel, but his comments there, uh, it, would, it, it would be necessary for us to find out whether this was a prepared text or just Biden being Biden. And he is given and has said it himself to, you know, making... Statements that that later, and I, I I have seen it many times, not just about Israel, where he will talk about something at a uh, an event when he's not doesn't have the cards and the notes in front of him or a prepared text, and will just wander off into saying things that are quite outrageous. But his speech there, and the fact that Kerry and Biden were there, both of them, uh, was a message from the administration, which has long supported uh, uh, J Street, and J Street was one of those that they used, and I think. Um, you know, the, the article's reference, uh, and certainly it's a reference to the uh, how they use J Street to try and offer an alternative of support for the Iran deal when we were all opposing it. Yeah. Uh, welcome back. Thanks so much Thank for you. joining us.
have a lot more to talk about. I can catch o- up over the coming week. I can only imagine. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak <laughs> again you. next week. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update, 7.40 Eastern Time, here at JM in the AM. Erev Shabbos Parshas Kedoshim, outside of Israel, candlelighting at 7.44, day 20 in the counting of the Omer. Don't forget that we will have Naomi Nachman and Table for Two coming up at 9 o'clock. You can watch that at NachumSiegel.com and hear it on all of our on all of our outlets. And uh, then followed, of course, by the uh, Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos music mix that goes all the way until candlelighting time. There is no better way to prepare for Shabbos, that I guarantee you. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pasha's Kedoshim. Pasha's Kedoshim, though it contains but 64 mitzvot, 64 psukim, contains, according to the Chinuch, 51 mitzvot, which is a significant number of mitzvot. And what's even more significant is the breakdown. There are 13 positive mitzvot and 38 restrictions. I heard years ago from my teacher, Rabbi Kanatapsky, Zichrona Levracha, that just the breakdown itself shows a great deal as to what and how the Torah defines Kedusha and Kedoshim to you. Namely, a mitzvah's assay focuses on an object, a shofar, a mezuzah, a lulav, which are relatively easy to focus on and relate to. A mitzvah's losase, a restrictive mitzvah, focuses on the individual. The individual is not to speak Lashon Hara. The individual is not to take advantage of others. The individual is not to waste their time. It's much more challenging to curb oneself and thereby refine their character than by the positive relating to mitzvot. I'd like to focus on the end of the parsha, whereby, just as we had at the end of Parshas Achrimos, starting with chapter 20, Pasuk 22, the Torah says, Ushmartimis kolchu kosaibis komishpatai, you shall observe all my decrees and my ordinances. Vasisem osam, you are to perform them, and if you do, Velosoki eschem ha'oretz, asher ani mevi eschem shama ashevesbah. Then the land will not vomit you out, the land to which I am bringing you to dwell therein. The Torah as much as tells us what the ultimate insurance policy for keeping the land of Israel, the Jewish people, if they live a life of Kedusha. Kedusha in terms of 
morality, Kedusha, as well as the Pusuk, goes on to tell us, And you shall distinguish, make a Havdola, between the clean animal and the unclean, between the clean bird and that which is unclean. And you shall not make your souls abominable through those animals and birds which I have um, restricted from your diet which will contaminate you. And once again, you are to be holy unto me, the parsha begins and ends with the bookends of Kedoshim, of Kedusha. And Eretz Yisrael, we are reminded that not only does the Mishnah teach us in the beginning of Meseches Kalim, that Eretz Yisrael is Mikudeshes Mikol Ha'arotzos, that the land of Israel is literally holier than all other lands. But the idea that we should realize how privileged we are to live in such special times. If you look in the Gemara Sanhedrin, Daf Sadiches Amar Aleph 98a. So the Gemara is giving us various signs as to when you will know that, please God, we are getting close to the finish line, close to the coming of Moshiach. Says Rabbi Abba, this is approximately ten lines down from the top, Rabbi Abba taught the following. There is no clearer indication than the end meaning that we are coming towards the ultimate redemption from then the following situation. And he quotes the Pasuk from the Navi Yecheskel, chapter 36, verse 8, whereby the Navi says, V'atem horei Yisrael, but you, O mountains of Israel, anpchem titenu, will give forth your branches, uperichem tisu, and bear your fruit, liami Yisrael, for my people Israel, kikervu lavo, for they are soon to come. In other words, when the land of Israel produces and produces, that is the best indication because it is producing for what reason? For more and more of the Jewish people to come and to have what to eat within the land. And one only has to open their eyes and they see what's happening in Eretz Yisrael today, that Beli Ayin Hora, the incredible productivity of the land, and the contrast to what it was like prior to B'nai Yisrael, prior to the Jewish people coming back to the land, it is so fantastic to see the living implementation 
of this prophecy. Pinch yourself because it is happening in our days in front of our eyes. The excitement of Eretz Yisrael is further from a delicious clay yokar, which is found in Parshas Lech Lecha. God says to Avram Avinu in chapter 13, right after Lot separates himself from Avraham, this is Pasuk Yudalid, God says to Avraham, Sono Enecha literally lift up your eyes and see. From the place where you are there, look to the north and south, east and west, here it comes. The entire land that you see, I am giving it to you, and to your children, Ad Olam, literally forever. The land of Israel is being given to Avram and his progeny forever. That's verse 15. If you go to verse 17, Hashem says to Avram, get up and walk the land, the Arka Ularachba, its length and its breadth. Because I'm giving it to you, and there the Torah doesn't say for your progeny forever. Notes the clay yakar that there is over here two different givings that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is giving Abraham and Klal Yisrael, and that is the first one when talks about Reia, Abraham's looking at the land. This is a ruchani. This is a spiritual gift which God is giving the Jewish people. And this gift, he says, is eternal. Never to be broken. Never to be taken away from the Jewish people. And even when we are exiled from the land, he points out that the Mikdash Shelmalo, the Besam Mikdash, which is literally upstairs in heaven, is Mechuvan, is literally directly above Besam Mikdash Shelmato, the Besam Mikdash that we had and please God will have and therefore the Shefa the blessing of spirituality is on the land of Israel constantly and I read to you from this Kleyakar the Toeles Ruchani this spiritual gift Lo Yosir Mizaro Adolam will never be taken away from the children of Avraham. Ki af bizman shebeisha migdosh elamato eno bevinyano. Even when the beisha migdosh down here is not in its state of being built, mikomokom ha beisha migdosh shelamalo nitzchi lo yosur lo olam. It will always be there. The second verse, 
where God tells Avram to walk the land, its length and breadth, that is the physical gift of the land. That is dependent. If we're worthy and deservant, we keep the land. If we're not, unfortunately, we lose the land. And so, this parsha of Parshas Kedoshim is so exciting in that it speaks to each and every one of us today and says that we have a role in preserving, in maintaining Eretz Yisrael by our actions and our actions count. Take a peek in the Gemara Subos 75a whereby Rev. Mesha says something very fascinating. Rev. Mesha is the grandson of Rev. Yoshua ben Levi. And he says the following, quoting the puzzle from Tehillim. Tehillim Pezayin Hey, 87.5. The puzzle says, Ulitzion Yomar, regarding Zion, it shall be said, Ish the Ish Yulad Ba, literally this man and this man was born in her, and he, Hashem, will establish her on high. Says the Gemara, what does it mean? Ish the Ish, Echor Hanolad Ba, Fi Echor Osa. Namely, those who were born in Zion, those that were born in Israel, and those that are mitzapeh lirosa, those who yearn to be there, those who yearn to be a part of Eretz Yisrael. So the answer is very clearly, those of us who can go and now and live in Eretz Yisrael, wonderful. Our children, wonderful. But even if we're not there yet, we should realize how we could and should be connected to Eretz Yisrael by being mitzapeh, by yearning. And listen to the following. If you just think about it, in the Shemona Esrei that we recite every single day, there are at least five brachos out of the Shemona Esrei that if you just stop for a moment and reflect, you realize that you are praying on behalf of Eretz Yisrael, because that is ultimately where the destiny of the Jewish people is intricately involved therewith. And so, the bracha of Birkas Hashanim, Baruch Hashem Hashanah Hazos, when we ask God to bless this year, and we ask for our Parnasa. So I've got to tell you, there's a delicious comment of the Vilna Gaon as to why we make the bracha hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz, and when it comes to vegetables it's bore priha adama why is this hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz, so on the pasuk in Akev 8.8 where the Torah lists the Zayamin and the seven species of Eretz Yisrael says the Vilna Gaon Hamotzi Lechem Min Ha'aretz the bread comes from the land much deeper the, le- the bread comes from the land of Israel now even though you're going to tell me wait a minute this sandwich that I have for lunch this challah that I'm going to have tonight was not baked in the land of Israel but the brush 
for the wheat, that the wheat grows all over the world, that bracha comes from Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, when we say in our Shmona Esrei, Borech Oleinu, that God should bless the year and it should be a prosperous one, this prosperity comes to us from Eretz Yisrael. The bracha of Kibbutz Golios, the ingathering of exiles to come home to Eretz Yisrael. When you, before you say that bracha, pause for just one moment and realize what you are praying for, connecting with the ultimate destiny of the Jewish people. The bracha of Din, Hashiva Shoftinu Kivarishona, restoring the judicial system in Eretz Yisrael. The bracha of Lirishalayim Ircha Berachamim Toshuv, God bring your Shechina back to Yerushalayim and we pray for Chisei David literally the chair the throne of David the next bracha of Esemach David Malchus based David we want and praying for the coming of Moshiach again all this is going to happen in and through Eretz Yisrael these five brachos, if we pause for just one moment before we recite them, we are connecting with not only our glorious past, but Amir Tzashem, our very special future. Pasha's Kedoshim begins and ends with the bookends of Kedusha, reminding each and every one of us that we have a role to play in the destiny of our people, especially through our very precious Eretz Yisrael. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning broadcast here at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the uh, NSN app. Uh, I want to remind everybody, coming up at 9 o'clock this morning, it'll be a Naomi Nachman table for two uh, at jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app, and you can watch all the proceedings on the homepage at nachomsegel.com. Naomi today speaks with Chaya Suri Leitner from Spice and Zest, Razel Freed from Razy's Cooking, and Nancy Kalish, owner of the vegan snack company Pure Genius. They'll all be together for that hour between 9 and 10 o'clock. Then the uh, NSN Arab Shabbos Music Mix brought to you by Kedem. It's going to happen from 10 until candle lighting time, so a full day of amazing uh, selections to get you going on an Arab Shabbos. Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami with great music, and of course, Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler in the Torah portion of the week. Matis on JM Sunday will feature an interview with Yael Aldrich. Yael Aldrich about the upcoming Torah Home Education Conference down in Baltimore, Maryland. Matis Wine Gas starts at 7 a.m. on Sunday with JM Sunday. You can catch it on jmtheam.org, on the NSN app, of course. And that starts at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Again, Yael Aldridge about the upcoming Torah Home Education Conference down in Baltimore is going to be his guest. Yisrael Besser is with us live via telephone. He's contributing editor at Mishpacha Magazine and uh, wrote the most recent article in Mishpacha about um, Donald Trump. An article entitled uh, "Playing to Win." Uh, the cover story had a um, a cover headline in the magazine: "Talking with Trump, can he close 
the deal of a lifetime. Yisrael Besser, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. It's always nice to be here. I appreciate that. Welcome to the show. Have you been with Mishpacha since its uh, founding? Not since its inception, but I came uh, on board about uh, 10 years ago, about oh. a year and a half into it. Oh, it's around for a while, huh? It's been about 12 years now. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Uh, how did it get an exclusive interview with uh, Donald Trump? That's a great question. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a great not only for the uh, for the Orthodox world. He doesn't really do sit down interviews at all. He, he likes uh, prefers TV. Um, but uh, you know the magazine itself. Oh, he doesn't. Uh, thank do, God. You mean off of TV? He doesn't do much. No, of, he doesn't do a lot of print media. You could check. Right. Yes, that's not. You could imagine that with his skill set, he shines much better in the TV setting. Right. You know, on camera. Right. Um, there's a fellow named, I'm sure you're aware of, Jason Greenblatt. Uh, yeah, sure. He's Trump's lawyer. He's, he's, his name has become, you know, you've heard it a lot. Oh, yeah. A lot of articles about him in recent weeks all across the, uh, all across the spectrum. He's just an amazing person. He's, he's really somebody that you have to get onto the show. He is bright and passionate and really, he has his, he has uh, Trump's ear like few other people in the organization. Yeah, we're in touch with him. We hope to have him on. Oh, okay, super. And he's, uh, <clears throat> he's really, uh, he wrote this book, actually. Uh, I refer to it in the article. He wrote a guidebook on touring Israel's families. He's right. got six kids, right. and his uh, his uh, you know it's a very good it's a season. This this season, the Yom Hatzmot season, is really what he did is fantastic. You see that he writes not only as a uh, as a professional, but as somebody who really loves Israel, every stone in Israel, and you feel it in his book. So he I became friendly with him a couple of months ago. We met for lunch through a mutual friend, and we just developed a, a close relationship and a friendship and a mutual respect. I hope. And uh, I guess at the same time, you know, they understood, the, the Trump people understood what the magazine represents in the orthodox slash Haredi world. What, what does it represent? You know, thank God, Baruch Hashem. You know, we've been around a while, so aside from being the largest magazine in terms of circulation, there is a certain prestige that comes with the fact that we, we almost created the brand of real responsible news journalism. That means that our news editor, Benjamin Rose, is a, a Columbia Journalism School graduate. You know, we, we wasn't just another magazine of cutting and pasting uh, AP and UP stories, but every, every news article was things that we developed from the bottom up. We developed a very nice roster of contacts in the political world. So over the years, we got a lot of, you know, heads of state, senators, politicians all the time, uh, steadily. And this is just interesting. I'm sure you noticed the same thing. Uh, news in the, in the, at least in the Haredi world, for sure. Uh, it used to be something we had a new section. You know, we talked a little bit about what was going on in the news, and, and for sure in the recent electoral cycle, it's gone from being news to being a feature. That means the stories, people are so engaged and so into it. At least our readership, I've never seen this in 10 years. The level of involvement and education in, uh, in what's going on in the elections, in the, in the politicians, in the parties, and the differences between them and the issues is unprecedented. I don't know well, if it's hard to Magazine keep, alone could take credit for it. It's hard to keep people away from good entertainment, you know what I mean? But at some point it went from being just entertaining, you know, like, like the Yankees and the Mets are entertainment, and it became, you know, people are, I'm so impressed with people, they really get the issues. Uh, we're talking about people in Lakewood, we're talking about Hasidim, the people who we're in touch with all the time are following this, not only this election closely, you know, the local elections, people are engaged in a way that they've never been before. I also think that the politicians understand that, that we tend to have sort of a block mentality when we vote. That means if you can get, you know, the, the Haredi community doesn't, it's not so splintered when it comes. They vote in pretty much en masse, you know, with exceptions, by community, by demographic. So they understand that this is a very good, uh, this is a demographic you could target, because if you get the first 200, then you have the next 2,000. Are you getting an idea already who the Haredi community is going to be supporting in November? 
it's a fascinating question. It's it's a fascinating dilemma in a way. Um, you know, they have this visceral um, distrust almost of Hillary, right? The the, the religious community because of Israel issues. You know, Trump has the advantage of being an unknown politically, right? That means she's already made her decisions. She's she's been in politics. Well, he's also got the advantage of being in the party that the Haredi community generally votes with now. So. Right, right. It's true. And, but at the same time, and, and this is something we put on the table with the Trump people, some of his, uh, some of his personal conduct might have made them squirm in recent months, right? right? That's true. You know, the debates weren't always the kind of thing you could watch with your kids next to you. Right, that's true. So, uh, you know, his challenge or, or you know, what we, we, as media, it, it's, not, it's never our job to tell people what to think. We don't do endorsements. That's not what we do. We, we just try to give the, the candidate or whoever the subject of the interview is the chance to present themselves. Now, we don't do it in a negative light. We're not, you know, like some of the secular media is trying to trip them up always, trying to catch them. We're not trying to do that either. We're just trying to let them talk and be themselves. Yisrael Besser is with us, contributing editor of Mishpacha Magazine. He was responsible for the uh, cover story on Donald Trump. So what was the kind? We only have a couple of minutes left. What was the conversation like? People, I'm sure, are fascinated by the fact that you got to sit down with him. What was it like? Um, okay, so first of all, he blew me away with, maybe to you this is no surprise, but with his graciousness, just as, as, as uh, you know, warm and funny and friendly and interested, really interested. Um, you know, so obviously he went to the, you know, his orthodox daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren thing, which didn't really, that doesn't mean that much to the orthodox voter. It's cute, it's trivia, but it doesn't really affect anything of substance, right? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a nice name drop if you want to win votes. In, in the religious community, it doesn't really mean anything. So the, the, the issues, you know, we discussed Israel. Uh, very, in, he's very outspoken. A lot of his stuff he said at APEC already in his speech um, about Obama and Israel and Iran. Right. And, uh, and, you know, it was very interesting when we discussed that. Uh, about, uh, I had just come back from Europe, from Israel, actually, but I'd come via Europe. And, and you feel if you travel in the airports of Europe in Zurich, in, obviously in Brussels and Frankfurt, if you go to Paris, you go through these airports, you feel the open animosity. And as somebody who travels frequently, I can tell you it wasn't like this two or even, even a year ago, it wasn't like this. Like, it's really at, at an all-time high. There's openness. People will make nasty comments to you. You feel like it's out there. It became okay to do that. If you see a visibly orthodox Jew, you can make a nasty comment. You could be. So I asked him, you know, he likes to talk about how, and maybe it's in fact like that, that the President of the United States has this ability to, so to speak, control the, the cultural temperament in the world. What would he do as President to help or to change the culture the way so he was very excited about the question, and what he kept saying is that if you, you know if you have a bully in the schoolyard who pushes a kid down and gets away with it, so he's going to go for a bigger kid, and he's going to keep trying to up the ante as long as he gets away and the teachers are looking away, he's going to keep you know he's going to up his, his act of vandalism. So he said that the Obama administration has sent a message by not having Israel's back that it's okay, it's okay, you can get away with hurting a Jew or attacking a Jew. Wow. He says they're just going to keep trying until somebody comes down hard on them. So what he was saying is by America making it clear and being unequivocal in their in, the, in having Israel's back and being there and reacting quickly and, and forcefully, that the spillover effect will be the global culture towards individual Jews and individual Jewish communities. Interesting. That's actually an interesting answer. Israel Besser is with us. A couple minutes left. Um, the uh, he's very confident he's going to win, right? I mean, I guess anybody in his position would be, but mm-hmm. the the confidence is overwhelming when you speak with him, right? He said that, and that's how he ended up. He said, how do you think you guys are going to vote for me tomorrow? And then he just like uh, you know, just to himself, he kept saying, "We're going to win. We're going to win. Of course, we're going to win. We're going to win big." <laughs> so- I guess, that's how he talks. I guess he's suggesting that it pays to vote for him if you want to be on the winning side. Right. Or what, he, what he's saying is, in a sense, and this is really um, what, what enables him to stand apart from the pack, is if he loses, 
it'll, you know, he wasted a lot of time and energy and personal funds, but he's got a day job to go back to. Right. That means he's, he's all out. It's a Hail Mary. He, 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 you know, he, a normal politician is always thinking about the next step, right, and who he can afford to offend and, and who it's okay with because he needs to stay in power at all costs. And Trump doesn't have that ear about him. He's going to go for it, his mm-hmm. way. And if he loses, he'll go back to doing what he clearly likes to do. Yisrael Besser, contributing editor, Mishpacha Magazine. He is, is, that a, is that an article available online now? That, that, that it's, uh, you know, yeah, it was, oh, it was picked up by uh, even the secular media, you know, the, the Atlantic, Reuters. Uh, we, got some, we got a call from a Chinese station this week. They wanted the All right, so people, channel to ran it. People could search it and they'll find it. Uh, yeah, they you, ran some audio from you, it, but it's, it's did out you, there. Did you write for this week's uh, issue? I didn't know. I mean, the, you know, the usual stuff. No, I understand. Stuff, but not, not because there's an article this week about um, about uh, who would be his vice presidential nominee. Who right, would be his vice right. presidential nominee. Uh, what are you working on now? What's your next project, your next big uh, feature? Next uh, feature in the magazine. Yeah, for you. No, this is actually interesting. I was up, uh, you know, it's it's obviously much of you come from Trump. It's, uh, everything seems a little bit more uh, limited by comparison. But I was up in Camp Agoda this week where you have Mayor Frischman retiring after 40 years at the home of, uh, of that camp. Oh, wow. And he also is the founder of AJCO, which is the Association of All the Orthodox Camps in the Mountains. Right. So, uh, you know, that was, it was a fascinating conversation. I'm excited I'm working on that piece, now working with a lot of the other camps, sharing their memories. All right, we'll take a look at that. Uh, Mishbacha Magazine, everybody. It's uh, Yisrael Besser, contributing editor. Thank you, Yisrael. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm sorry for rushing, but we got to wrap oh, things up. Always a pleasure. So nice to speak to you. Have a great job. I appreciate that. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos. Candle lighting at 7.44 in this Arab Shabbos Parshas Kedoshim. It's Kedoshim outside of Israel. Candle lighting 7.44. Journeys, it's time to say good Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Blessing on a cup that's filled with wine.
Rabbeinu Yisrael and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listen to sponsor WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Want to take this opportunity to thank Mayor Kruder of Kruder Photography, who continues to uh, follow us around to events and provide his services for us. It is much appreciated. You can go to Kruder.com, K-R-U-T-E-R.com, for information about what he does. And if you go to our Facebook page, Nahum Single Network, you can see about a million of his photos from our different events. Uh, an amazing week. I thank... Um, uh, everybody who made our Yoma Zikaron and Yomatz Mood programs as meaningful as uh, they were. Um, I thank you all for tuning in and uh, for being part of it. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Stay tuned. Naomi Nachman is next. JMNAM.org and on the NSN app with Table for Two. Great programming all weekend long, including Matis on Sunday morning with JM Sunday. Don't forget, starts at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Have a fabulous weekend. Great Shabbos. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future. <laughs>